The following podcast is sponsored by Structure Tech. The problem you have is, well, here's two major problems. One is builders are afraid of it. And two, code officials have never seen it before, so they get afraid of it. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman from Structure Tech. We're here again today with Ross Anderson. We have bonus pod with Ross, and we thought it'd be just fun to dig into Ross's head a little bit and talk about some real life experiences, things that he's seen out in the field, problems that he's solving for real life homeowners, and what's the algorithm of getting from the starting point to the finish line so people can live in a house that's gonna be durable for years to come. What brought this up is just as we were walking in, Ross was telling me about how there was a house that I had inspected and I, I guess there was some ice dam issues and he ended up going out to check it out. Well, take it away because so, we never even finished the yeah, story. Yeah, no, so Structure Tech has a very excellent name in town. And so when people say I've had Structure Tech out and they told me X, Y, Z and I want a second opinion on it, I always say, I'm sure it's right, but I'd be happy to come out and check it out. But I had somebody find me through our nonprofit, the MBPA.us. Minnesota Building Performance Association, they reached out and asked if we would come out because they've had multiple contractors out giving them different answers to solve a pretty simple ice dam issue. If you live in Minnesota, you have a home at all, you've had some sort of an ice dam issue at one point or another. <laughs> ice dams are a major issue. And last winter, we had a massive problem with ice dams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this year has been crazy with the amount of calls we get mm-hmm. on just opinions. And this year, meaning the summer, summer post winter apocalypse we had last winter with <laughs> the amount of snow. And so I've been out on quite a few projects to help as a consultant then put together scope of work. But I had one funny call where the gentleman calls me up and then in the call said, you know, I saw Ruben speak years ago. I actually had him come to my house and give me an opinion on what to do. And I did not listen to him. And I, I did what the roofer told me to do instead, which happens quite often. I actually oh, no. go out, I will tell the people how to repair what they need to do. And I'm not the, I'm not an insulator. I'm not a roofer. I just understand how the concepts work. And so I put together a scope of work. They call in whoever roofer or insulator. And then the insulator says, no, no, you don't need to do that. Just, <laughs> just do it like this and pay mm-hmm. me money and I will see you later. Mm-hmm. And, and what, sure do, enough, what do roofers always like to do? What's their, oh, their more same tack? More, more ventilation more every ventilation time. Is more the, V. Oh, <laughs> I right. still laugh. If you go, I don't know how local this is, but if you go 169 North, North, right before Bass Lake Road, there's four plexes on the side of the road that all have about eight Whirly Bird oh. exhaust systems on top of it. That w- one of them would yes. be plenty for the entire system, and they must have about twelve of them on there. So I was staring at those today as I was driving past them. I know exactly what you're oh, talking I've about. I've taken pictures on the of those. east side of 169. That's right. Yep. They don't yep. work. Oh, they work great. Yeah, like one works really well for an attic, and eight yeah. might be more than you need. Yeah. <laughs> Whirly so- birds are never a good idea unless you've air sealed your attic. Yes. Yes, let's dig into that for a minute. All right, a whirly bird. It's that roof vent. Or it's yeah. The technical name is a turbine vent. Correct, turbine vent. And it's the idea is just a little bit of air movement, I think as low as five miles per hour, is going to get those things moving, and they're going to pull air out of your attic space. And the whole idea is you're going to pull air in through the soffit vents, air is going to go in, it's going to pull in cold air, it's going to flush out the air in your attic, and then air is going to leave, and then you're never going to have ice dams or condensation or frost or mold or any of that stuff, and it's just a magic solution to your attic. Now, this assumes 
that your attic lid is perfectly air sealed. Because if it's not, what are you gonna be pulling? You're gonna be pulling outdoor air through the vents and you're gonna be pulling indoor air, warm, moist, humid indoor air up into your attic space. So it's not gonna fix your problem. It's just gonna mean you're pulling more air up there. Now, if you go and you completely air seal your attic lid, then these things will work really well. However, you perfectly air seal your attic lid. You don't need you them. Don't need them. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not trying to knock them. I'm just saying people see these things as a magic bullet. They're like, this is going to fix everything. I think they're great. They're very nice, but you probably don't need it. You're probably okay with static roof. All right, Ross, I feel like you want to contradict no. me now. I'll no, not at all. No, okay. I 100% agree. You know, they're a ventilation strategy for an attic. You could use those. You can use a turtle vent, as we would call them, or the passive like box vent. Box vent, yeah, box roof vent. vent. I like turtle vent. Turtle vents. Yeah. We use, yeah, that's our that's our fun way to mm -hmm. talk. When I talk roofer, I talk turtle vents, right? And actually, we found just lately, I've been doing a lot of research on ridge vents and how poorly they actually ventilate from the top. A side note, there is a really good YouTube video on a group that actually did a study on about 18 different versions of it, and only one actually ventilated the roof system, which was crazy. So really? Which one? Is it core it's event? A, it's a double core event. Yep. Double it's it's like event. a double. Yeah. So what they did was they basically just lit, lit yeah. some little smokers inside the attic, uh -huh. little theatrical smoker, and went outside and just watched how much, you know, they had cameras inside and outside yeah. and looked for how it ventilated in different temperatures. And hmm. all of them, the attics were just smoky and almost no smoke came out except for the one. And I was blown away. It Are blew my mind. A lot of houses are built with ridge vents, aren't yes. they? Continuous ridge vents. And we you... actually just did. I was just part of a project that had a huge vault, and they had put a ridge vent up on the mm -hmm. top of the vault. And after they did that, they started getting terrible ice dams on this vault. And so mm. wow. the, the fix was to come in and rip the roof off and put a bunch of spray foam in and do all these different things. And so we went out, and I said, well, let's just try, try taking the ridge vent off and throwing turtle vents back up there and see if that helps. And it, they almost fixed it 100%. So. Mm, wow. So how many thousands of dollars do you think you saved that particular homeowner? <laughs> well, the spray foam alone was probably five or $6,000 that they would have been putting in that <laughs> yeah. attic. So. Oh, man. And that was an option, right? It was, mm -hmm. let's just try this. Worst case scenario, this will save you. Mm -hmm. you know, or best case scenario, will save you a lot of money. Worst case scenario, you just now changed out your vents, and we're going to have to rip the roof off anyways and do the spray foam. So, so when we come back, I want to uh, ask you about those ridge vents and what happens when you get 12 inches of snow sitting on top of them. Do they actually ventilate anything? You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. We'll be back in just a second. Hi, everybody. Ruben Saltzman here with the Structure Talk podcast. We talk a lot about education on our podcast because this is one of our core values here at StructureTech. To prove how important this is to us, we actually teach free continuing education classes to real estate agents all over the Twin Cities. We've been doing this for years, and we have classes ranging from one to four hours in length. These classes are taught by both me and Tessa, and if you're interested in having us come out to teach at your office, all you need to do is visit our website, click on the Education tab, and you can see instructions on how to get us out to your office. And you can also see a calendar of upcoming events. If you're interested in having us come out, please visit our website at StructureTech1.com. 
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich, alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. And we're here today with Ross Anderson, Bonus Pod. And we're just talking about individual house stories that Ross has run across. And we we're just talking actually about ridge vents. And I've often wondered when we get snow in Minnesota and it covers a ridge vent, if they don't work when there's no snow on the roof, they certainly can't work when there's six or eight inches of snow on the roof. And, you know, just to expound on that, Let's just expand that to any vent, turtle vents, ridge vents, whatever. What happens when it's covered in snow? People no. ask us that all the time. No, correct. I agree. But so here's the deal. Really, what's the goal of the attic? The goal is to keep the attic as cold as it can be. It's as close to the outdoor temp as possible and the indoor temp as close to the indoor temp as possible and not to have the other affect each other. So if the outdoor temp is, if you're not leaking warm air into the attic and you're still keeping that outside attic cooler, much cooler or closer to the outside temperature, you're still winning in that. Whether the ventilation is happening or not, we've now taken that attic space and kept it cool. That's really the goal, right? Wait, just wait, keep... wait. Are you saying that ventilation is not the make or break thing for an <laughs> attic space? Stop. It does help keep it cool, but it is definitely not the number one thing. The air sealing the floor of that attic is, is definitely the key. Okay. All you right. can go on the forums this afternoon, Ruben, after you get out of here and tell all the home inspectors what you just learned. I, I've blogged about this. You know what? In, in this podcast episode, I'll have to remember to put a link to my blog post about ventilation and how it's not all that it's cracked up to be. Yeah, it's required, but that's it. It's usually used as an excuse for some other problem. I agree 100%. You just want that attic space to get as close to the outside temperature as possible. You're going to get melting from the sun anyways, from the top side down. It's the management of that, right? Making sure that it's managed properly. So, yeah. How often are you called to store and a half houses uh, that's compared a, to other houses. I would say it's a major call for sure. I mean, story and a half houses are, are a nightmare in Minnesota just because they're they're tough. It's they're okay, really Bill, tough. Don't cry. <laughs> they're <laughs> tough to manage. No, we did an episode on this, a one and a half story. And Tessa and I, well, <laughs> we don't have anything nice to say about them. But we said stuff anyways, didn't we? Yeah. We weren't I mean, supposed to. Well, they're cute, but they have so many building performance problems with them. Yeah. And we, we started talking at the break and it just cut us off. I said, this is good pod. We got to talk about this on the air. Tessa and I are saying like, it's impossible to fix these things, but you're saying you do fix them. How do you fix them? Yeah, we fix them. But the one caveat to that, which Tessa did bring up was it's not cheap. It's not a cheap <laughs> yeah. fix. Oh, so you, you tear the roof out. You, huh? you Well, that's one option for double, sure. Or you double, double frame it. You can fix it if you want to spend $30,000. It's, it's going to be $30,000. Yeah. yeah. 100%. And, and, okay. and really in the end, the goal is most story and a half houses are not what people build brand new anymore. They don't build the sidewalls and all the little side attics. All they just the dormers, do though. And the, I mean, there's tons of dormers on some of these new construction houses. And they have, they have nightmares with them. Exactly. But, I mean, you don't see the story in half, but you see the vaults and you see the dormers. Yep. And side attics and... And they have nightmares with them. And that's yeah. why builders I work with, we put together a strategy ahead of time. Fire the architect. Just kidding. Why don't you just build new with that solution that you talked about just earlier, where put all the insulation at the just below the shingles, and then everything inside of that is conditioned space. Beautiful. Put the overcoat on the on the beautiful story and a half house, and don't tear them down because they're amazing structures. It's just this little thing that Tess is alluding to <laughs> between her thumb and forefinger. <laughs> Yeah, we are. The one, thing, the one thing I'm on a crusade now in Minnesota is to put exterior foam on the outside of all the buildings. And because 
nationally, this will be energy code going forward, not in Minnesota right now, but nationally, that's what they're prescribing for our climate zone. I am on a crusade to get builders to start thinking about it. And manufacturers have really built some really nice products, cost effective that will work and actually that are working for roofing applications and all different applications. The problem you have is, well, here's two major problems. One is builders are afraid of it. And two, code officials have never seen it before, so they get afraid of it. I'm literally working on a project right now with a new construction builder where we're putting an R6 exterior structural exterior foam on the outside of the whole building and the code official just every other turn he just is freaking out about this that's project. what i did the first time i saw it too yeah. i'll would be you, honest i was just like wait a minute what structural foam no yeah no this cannot be yeah. would you say that the construction industry and builders and tradespeople it changes hard well of course it's hard because you are a builder and what what do builders have to do in minnesota they have to warranty the house for 10 years so if something is going to break they don't want to be part of it well, and do you want right. to be the guinea pig no and if something works <laughs> like you want to keep doing it that's and right. so well, it's really hard to change how builders build houses. We're still how... not on the metric system. No. <laughs> my gosh. How easy would life be? I know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So yes. tell me, what is structural foam? What does it look like from a building construction? So it has to have, to get technical, it just has to have the racking strength that you need for any house. If you actually go south, they will go as far as putting zero sheeting on the outside of a building and just putting up what's called a T-ply, which is like a heavy-duty cardboard as the exterior of the building. People get scared because they go, oh, we don't have plywood or we don't have something on the outside of the building. But if that's what you're counting on to hold the building up, you've done it wrong. That's not the structure of the house. That's not the bones of how it's built. So the structural foam has to be there for racking strength and a different structure. It's not there to hold anything up. So it sounds, when I say structural, it sounds like it's heavy duty, but it's really just a foam that will will bear the, the racking strength in, in the corners of the building that it's needed. So, so when the wind blows or whatever, that's what we're talking about correct. from racking strength. Correct, correct. Side to side. Side to side. Okay. That's right. And it does. And it's it works really well. Okay. It's a it's a really good product. So why is this such a good thing for our climate? Well, one of the things to get super techy is we, we get what's called thermal break. We want a thermal break. So if you look, mm-hmm. here's fun. Here's a fun thing. I have an infrared camera. If you ever play with the infrared camera, you can go around your house and I can see all the exterior wall studs. And on a cold day, I can actually find every screw that was put in by the sheetrocker because of the thermal transference from the cold weather on the outside of the building to the inside. By adding that R6, that foam on the outside of the building, it reduces that thermal transference and it keeps those walls quite a bit warm. Warmer, so it's a lot less taxing on what that the heating and cooling system has to has Do all to those studs disappear with my IR camera when that They happens? get a lot less visible for sure. Okay. For sure. Right. R5 is kind of the minimum you see out there. There's a there's a structural foam that I like out there that's an R6. R10, obviously, the more foam on the outside of the building, the less insulation you need on the inside, the less moisture issues you have on the inside, the less mold issues you have on the inside. It's actually... I mean, that would be the goal. As you move north, the cold climate housing groups and everybody, they build with, you know, you know, an R10, R20, R30 on the outside. Just out of curiosity, what happens at all the joints on that stuff? Do you have joint treatment? I mean, do you use tape like a zip wall system? Correct. Or, okay. Yep. Okay. So there is no additional water-resistant barrier. You do not need an additional barrier on the outside if you don't want to. Okay. It will manage all the bulk water. I don't like to bash a product, but the difference between a structural foam over a zip wall is with zip wall, it's a painted on weather barrier. And every time the nail punctures that barrier, you now have exposed OSB underneath there. And at the tape joints, if water gets into that tape joint, you have exposed wood that can rot and do whatever. With foam, you're taping and sealing 
but anywhere where there's a puncture, all it's getting is foam. So you're never having molding or rotting or expansion sure. or any issues you would have with an OSB that gets wet compared to a, a foam sure. wall on the outside. Sure, and for, for anybody kind of glossed over it sure. quick, just for our listeners, WRB is a water-resistant barrier, and it's it's just a big sheet that goes underneath the siding because, you know, water is going to get past any type of siding you put on your house, and you need some way of dealing with it once it does get past. So you're yep. saying with this stuff, you don't need that extra sheet. Nope. nope. That takes care of it. That takes care of that weather resistant barrier that you need on the outside of the home. It will manage the moisture, the bulk, all the bulk water on the outside. So it is, it's a nice, it's a nice product. It's the evolution. In my opinion, if I was building, I would, I would for sure do an exterior foam on my house. Very good. This is an awesome time for a break. So we're going to step away for just one second. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. Hi everyone, Bill Ulrich here with Structure Talk. Do you live in a home that has a homeowners association attached to it? Here's an interesting nugget. In 2019, Minnesota passed a law that requires all HOAs have a preventive maintenance plan in place. What's that you say? I know, right? And what's necessary is clear as mud. At Structure Tech, we put together an affordable solution to help HOAs meet this obligation. If your association isn't talking about this, they should be. Check out how we can help at StructureTech1.com. We've been working closely with management companies all year to come up with a win-win-win to meet this new requirement. Let us know if we can help at StructureTech1.com. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. Ruben, you were just talking about blending new and old. Let's expand on that right now. Yeah, we were talking about, and I bring this up during CE classes that I teach when we're talking about how long a home inspection is going to take and saying, you know, if it's a bigger house, it takes longer. If it's older, it takes longer. If one of the clients is an engineer, it's going to (laughs) take twice as long. I, you know, that all is these. the truth yes. I've ever heard it's bulk. Yes. yes, yes. It's, and you know what's funny? Every time I bring that up, there's one person in the class who will start laughing hysterically, yeah. and I'll go, yeah. Your spouse is an engineer, aren't yeah. they? And they go, or Yes. They have a client who's an engineer they're yes. working with. But a huge one is when you have additions. Oh my goodness, that mm-hmm. makes things take so much longer. And people, people ask why. And it's like, Well, because you have a different heating system, you have new electrical that you need to run, maybe you got a sub panel added add-on you have a different plumbing system maybe they did new testing on the vents i mean you have a different attic maybe a crawl space yes it's like a different house everything is different than everything else and it takes so much more time and so we were just thinking about this and thinking this has got to be a nightmare from just a building performance standpoint and energy standpoint and comfort what do you find in this department oh yeah i have a great story we did a uh it went out because they were having huge mold issues in a brand new addition that was put on. And if you think about it, when you do any additions, energy code and, and building code, whatever's the newest code is now put into place for that addition where the house might be built in the 70s or the 60s or the 50s. So it's under a different code. And so you're, you're now, you have two total different environments. So one's ventilating one way naturally and the other one now is super tight. 
And if you have this bonus room and you've got plants in there and there, you know, or you have your terrarium with your lizard or whatever it is. And all of a sudden now this room is holding the moisture in way more than any of the rest of the house ever Mm -hmm. did. And it doesn't have a ventilation system set up to run just that room or that addition. Mm -hmm. So now we have this huge mold terrarium in this room. Mm -hmm. And so now we had to add like a bath fan in a room that, you know, should never have a bath fan, but it needs to be ventilated because they Mm -hmm. shut the door in the room and it's got its own heating system and it gets crazy and just yeah. not thinking through how the home I mean we always laugh it's unintended consequences right it's stuff when builder A didn't really understand how to meld old and new you know we ripped everything apart and now this looks good actually I have a really good builder that brings me in on remodels and will have me look at everything ahead of time and we'll talk through some strategies and when they gut the house I go back in and we talk through strategies and then in the end we do testing to make sure that there's nothing that we've we've screwed with I mean if you take an old house like this what 18 90s house we're in now and rip the walls apart because you're doing a big remodel and all of a sudden spray foam everything tight. This home has never lived with tight walls and spray foam. It will completely blow its mind. It will have no idea how to live and it will have mega unintended consequences. I see it all the time. You know, it's funny. I I have a friend who bought this. uh, It was more than a mansion. It was this home that took up basically like a city block in St. Paul. It's (laughs) more than a mansion. I don't know what you would have called this. Capital city. Great place uh, to live. Yeah, that's right. Right on Capitol Hill or something. And the walls were not insulated. Brick walls, not insulated. He knew this going into it and he really kicked around what to do with this and he eventually just decided I ain't touching it because mm-hmm. I don't want to do what you just mm-hmm. talked about because I'm going to change so much here yep. and I'm probably going to end up with some new moisture problem that I'm going to be chasing down forever mm-hmm. and I know it's going to be a big energy penalty for me to for me to leave it uninsulated but I think that penalty is going to be less than the penalty I'd pay for screwing up my moisture and he just left it that way. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, actually that's probably the smartest move he could have made. I've seen, I've been out consulting with other gentlemen in my industry, Pat O'Malley, Pat and I Mm -hmm. both got called in on a project and they were going to spray foam all the walls. And I think that would have, we both agreed that that would have rotted out the walls and the brick would have fallen off Mm -hmm. the outside of the home over time Mm -hmm. just because it didn't get to breathe anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really impressed with this contractor who's got the foresight to bring in you as a building scientist and say, let's talk about how this is gonna work together. Wow, I mean, bless his heart or her heart for all the home builders out there. Feels like their project managers should be building scientists to head off these problems before they are all covered up. And now you can't find them. Or if you can find them, you can't fix them because you can't get to them. Yeah, man, you're speaking to the choir. I I try to promote us as another part of the team all the time for remodelers and builders. I just say, we are not that expensive and we are way cheaper than the nightmare it's going to cost you to fix us in the end. So having us just walk through the project a couple times during construction, just give you some, you know, heads up. I really like to see the walls prior to drywall, see what they did, see what their strategy was, how they sealed stuff up, how, you know, if they decided to go with bat and poly, how that was sealed and how their different penetrations were taken care of, especially for older homes, because that now just totally changed the whole game on how that house lives. Well, this is good stuff. I have people who regularly ask us if we can do that type of thing, and I always shy away from it. I Mm -hmm. say, no, that's not our bread and butter. For sure. But if I wanted to give your name out for this, just people will ask us, a ballpark figure, what does it cost for something like this? I usually charge, if they want a report written, 
at the stop, we usually charge about $150 for a stop out. Most of the time, if I'm going to do a full consulting during the project, it's five, six, seven hundred dollars. But I and mean, how many that's, stops is that? that's like four or five. That's me coming wow. out and being on call for them. This right? is such an easy compete. sell. As funny as it sounds, it's easy for me because I do it so much yeah. that I know what I'm looking for and I know what I'm mm-hmm. seeing when I go in there. So it's not like I'm there for six hours every stop and it's more I'm there for, you know, 20, 30 minutes, take a bunch of pictures, write up a small report quickly and send it off to the builder so that they know what's going on. Our team will be really happy about this. Yeah. Joe. Oh, I'm just thinking about all the new construction callbacks, reinspections he gets on yeah. new construction houses. Well, and Stop our time. office. I mean, we yeah. get a lot of requests for this kind mm-hmm. of thing. We'll be giving your name out for this. That's good. I appreciate it. No, that's great. Thank you, Ross, again for coming in and spending some time with us. We're going to wrap it up for today, but can you plug your website, the two websites, one more time? Yeah, no problem. So the nonprofit group that I push heavily is the Minnesota Building Performance Association, which is mbpa.us. And then the company that does the new construction testing for builders or the energy network worldwide. I mean, you can just Google us on that. 10www.com. You got it. You got it. Awesome. Thank you very much, Ross. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. Thank you, everyone, and we'll catch you next time. For more information on how we can provide you with the right information about your home before you buy or sell, contact us at StructureTech1.com.